The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Although it's winter time, it doesn't mean you have to hang up your rods in the close season with a number of stocked fisheries around the country, a great place to still catch fish, even if it is in near freezing temperatures. But with stockies, it's not just about chuck it out and pull them in, as you'll find out on our latest episode with Dennis Goulding, a well-known Irish international angler who has fished for them for over 30 years and who also runs the Winter Bank League. Dennis gives us a bit of a masterclass on how to fish for rainbows, and it's well worth the listen. But first, Tom, I was wondering, have you caught many rainbow trout in your day? I have, actually. I've, I've, I've got a, a fascination with them all. I always have been since reading Trout Fisherman from an early age. So, um, yeah, I really like, l- love fishing for rainbows. And interesting enough, um, uh, Dennis chats there at one of the fa- favourite lakes with Loch Lean, and I have to say... One of my favorite lakes in the country is Loch Lean as well, and that is Stock Rainbow Lake. So, yeah, I do like them. And uh, it's very interesting there that um, Dennis touches on it, uh, more from a competition style, but how these how these put and take, these small fisheries, can really keep you on song and sort of improve your angling for rainbow trout in the close season and actually at any time. Yeah. Kind of quickly learned. And you hear the thinking from Dennis that goes into this. And especially, I know it's to do with the competition scene, but, you know, you, you learn so much from it anyway in terms of your own angling, but how much thinking and tactics, you know, go into actually trying to catch these rainbows that you might be able to see, see them swimming around in front of you. Those ain't going to mean you're going to get them. <laughs> no, I mean, you touched on there. I mean, you know, this idea that I, all you have to do is just chuck it out and you'll catch a few. Not the way. And like, I learned that. And no doubt, like, as you, you were saying there, like you've gone down and fished them. And, you know, it's, you know, it's not a fish of cast. You know, it's not a fish of cast. Now, now that is, it, it, it is active. And one of the good things about them, and you touch them, you can bring the kids down there, which you've done. And they've, I take it, they've, they've loved it. Loved it. And it's a great introduction. I think it's even a great introduction for anybody maybe into to fly yeah. fishing. Because A, you can practice the casts, you know, in a generally, you know, grand environment. And that, you know, you will a good chance of getting a fish, you know. We well, see um, that, that you know, it's a couple of the guys around here. We actually say, like, if you want to turn off, if you want, if you want to turn the kids against fishing, bring them out onto the car for yeah. a day, you know, because yeah. or bring them you know, salmon fishing, like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where they're gonna spend a whole day maybe like and not even see a fish. Yeah. So you've got to get you've got to get uh, and it's, you're right, you just said it there, it's not just kids, it's any newcomers. You know, you've got to get them to a place that they're gonna get a bit of activity. Um, and it's very interesting. Obviously, what happens there is you get a bit of activity straight off. All right, it might last, but it's very interesting when we listen to Dennis there. It's uh, are the tactics, <laughs> how you go about just to increase your catches, and that, isn't that the the beauty of what we're at? Like, yeah, but exactly. uh, you know, and the other thing I took from the episode is is his fascination um, with rainbow trout 
because it's not a species really that we appreciate in this country, you know, because obviously our focus at most of the time is on um, brown trout and sea trout. Um, but how, when you get, when it gets under your skin, like it does for Dennis, how he loves targeting the rainbows and he loves trying to learn from them. And he, you know, he said he's been doing it for 30 years, you know, and mm. how much he learned from the UK scene. Yeah. And it's very interesting. And, and also as well, you could probably see it on the competition scene as well. Whereas, uh, when, Irish teams go abroad and fish these rainbow waters. Uh, uh, and it's a geographical thing. Uh, how would I put it? Guys in the West, the Southwest, where we wouldn't have rainbow waters, like wouldn't be prepared for rainbows as well as guys from Leinsterwood. And particularly, and we didn't touch on it much, like the guys from up north. I mean, there are a lot more rainbow waters up north, probably due to the fact that, you know, the, the main game lake in the north, the main trout lake, is is Laharn. And like even if you live in Belfast, uh like it's it's an hour and a half to get there. It's even further to get to Melvin. You know, that's the two lakes. Unfortunately, Loch Ney isn't really it's it's not a trout fly fishery. Um so on account of that, uh they have a lot of still waters up there. And, and what you got from that, like what you got with De- what Dennis is saying is you've got an angler who got who is used to fishing rainbows, who is used to different tactics. Whereas then if you go and look again, as I said, geographically here on the West Coast, like to be honest, yeah, most of the guys around here would only have fished brown trout, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's the, what's around, you know. Yeah, it's a great time over the winter time. You know, we have a, a forthcoming episode on pike, but the bank league, you know, the bank fisheries in the yeah. winter time. You know, it's a great time to get out. You know, just you to, see, and th- and this is the idea of both this one and when we're talking about pike as well. I mean, it's just. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but it's mainly for, for people, for something fly fishers to do something over the winter, be it bank fishing, bank league or pike fishing. And and maybe from that, you know, you might say, God, I really like this and I might do it more often. Mm-hmm. I might do it even when, when the main lakes are open. But, you know, this is the whole idea is what we're trying to get across it. There are things to be done outside the traditional period of fly fishing. But I know myself, I'm going to get out now in the, probably next few weeks before Christmas. And it's even still mild. We were planning, uh, we were saying we have a fly tying class here, uh, Kernamona Anglers, and we're planning probably to do a day in January. And I'll tell you one thing, I'll be um, adapting a few things to be there. Very interesting. It was, it was good. He gave us, actually gave us a lot of tactical insights uh, in, the, in the chat with him. So I got some tips off him. Definitely well worth listening to. So look, let's hear from Dennis Goulding now. And um, he told us about the rise, first off, in the popularity of winter fishing. Winter fishing took off probably about, I'd say, 15 years ago. But I've been doing it for about 30 years. Um, I fished every fishery in Southern Ireland near enough. Um, at the moment, yeah, there, there, there are fisheries there that are very good and some that aren't. Um, the stocked fisheries need to be stocked well for people to keep coming back. A lot of fisheries came and they went because of the fact they couldn't keep the stock in the wars. So we have leash, we have animo, and we have probably Adair Springs that do the business. Um, they really great fisheries. And you could bring a novice, you know, a child to um, just a normal angler to a water like that and you will get fish. On a cold winter's day, spend an hour, an hour and a half, you know, you will get fish. You come home happy. And I have to say as well, Dennis, like for me, what I love about it is Adair Springs would be the closest one to me. It's probably about probably about an hour from me. 
um, where I am and bringing the kids because see the fish. I'd be casting out for them and hand them the rod and just show them how to retrieve. And they'd be watching it, watching it, watching it. And boom. And to me, that's how you get them into it. Like, Of course. Yeah. Like um, my own son, Patrick, he loves coming. Um, it's very, I work shift work, so it's very hard for me. I'm off during the week, so it's very hard for me to get them going. Like holiday time, I'll bring them. Um, Ned Maher down in Moonkine, um, a great fishery, looks after the kids. The same with um, Lee Shanklin Centre and, uh, and Jono. I bring my son down there, and it's, it's just hilarious. You throw out the fly, you put the bung on. And he's waiting, waiting, waiting. Like it's, he's like a heron waiting for it to go down. But it's just to get them interested. You know, it's a whack fish on, screaming real. You know, it's what it's about. But there's a hardcore of anglers, though, as well, Dennis, isn't there? That in terms of... We do not give up. We, we, we will fish all year. I will fish for tap holes in the bucket. You know what I mean? These fisheries, you know, they hone the skills that... We, we, in Ireland, we don't have proper... You know, rainbow fisheries like Grafham, Mentite, Buell, you know, Rutland. We have, the only fishery that we really have is Lochleen. And to me, they're just silver-covered, coloured rainbows or brownies. They're just, you know, they feed top of the water, top two, three foot. That's great. Well, it's no good to us. Like, if we want to go and represent the country or whatever at a level, we need to be able to understand the rainbows. But like we need everybody to understand them. So during the winter, I fish a tactics that I would, you know, I look at maybe an event that might be going to in England, in the UK, and I hold my skills on them waters during the winter. So do the other anglers that are in these competitions or in the winter league. Like we, um, I took over one this year, they were. Alan Lawless ran it for six years. We have 21 people, male and female, that, that, you know, they just love the fishing, but they want to get better. They want, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, 15 years ago, with the knowledge that we have now, we win any competition. The different flies, the different techniques. And you were saying, like, you know, you, you were doing it 30 years ago. But yeah. Was there very few fisheries then? Like, where's... Yeah, like, like, I had to travel all the way to Ockram to practice booby fishing. And like nobody taught me how to booby fish. I read the magazines. Do you know what I mean? Nobody knew what a booby was. It was something in your room as a teenager trying to, you know, getting bits of foam and sticking them in tights and, you know, trying to get flow on different hooks. And like the only the Bible, like that was the Bible, like um, just magazines, because nobody knew. Nobody had any understanding of what. Rainbows where? Yeah, man, Dennis, but you were talking there, uh, you said 30 years ago, so you had to go to Ockham. Then, and we alluded to it beforehand, there was a period then, about 15 years ago, that there was a lot of fisheries. Yes. And yet now we're back down to, what are we talking, three, four? Four, five in Leinster, um, yeah. a couple in the other, other provinces. Um, uh, once quite a few, north, there's, yeah, there's quite a few in the north. Yeah, then, but down here we haven't, but we haven't got, like, there are fisheries there, but are they fisheries that you bring, bring somebody that never caught a fish before? No, they aren't. Now, these fisheries have, have, they have to be stocked to a level. 
And if they're not stuck to that level, there's no point in going. Like, I mean, we run the we run you know, five heats over five months. And we're down to two fisheries. Because I won't bring the lads to a fishery where the winner will get five fish. You know, you need to be up in the teens to have a proper competition. You need to be in a lake where all the pegs are. It's not a peggy situation. You know, so where all, the pe- yeah. where all the pegs could probably bring up fish rather than yeah 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 you can, you can pick fish all the way around the lakes yeah. whereas on other fisheries would be in one big area like a little area two or three pegs mm-hmm. and whoever gets them wins like but no um yeah fifteen years ago we had lots of fisheries now we don't but we touched out there just before we came on and and like we'll just say it again I mean the cost of running a fishery like this. No, no, not just the, the, the financial cost, but you know the the actual man hours and like the time you have to put into it. It's it's, it's phenomenal. Oh, it is. It's twenty four seven. Like I mean, there'd be people ringing you day and night looking, you know, to come to your fishery, and then they don't turn up, and then you have food organised for them and stuff. Like I mean, it's I've worked at lots of fisheries because I've been at it so long, and it's always been the same story. The ones that fail. You know, it's a, it's the money thing, and they have to employ people to run it. But the people that actually succeed are people that live on site. Do you know what I mean? They don't have that extra expense of paying, you know, five, six hundred quid a week for one employee. Don't mind two or three. So yeah, it's um, it's it's a hard life. I like I like fair play to them. Tell me, um, tell me about the Winter Bank League, um, Dennis. What right, the- so, so the one that we run, we um, we hold it on the dare, and we hold it in leash, and we have twenty-one anglers, male and female, and it's run over five competitions. Your best four legs count, and then we have prizes in each. You know, this year I've got sponsorship from most of the tackle shops that we use, um, Southside, um, Pat Nolan. Um, Mary Harkin, Tom there sponsored a couple of the prizes, and um, Pescara Fly, and we also have F and F from from Scotland and Ferio Fly sponsoring prizes. Now, it's very hard to run a competition because of the price of a day ticket, but normally the lads on the on like John Owen Led will give us a discount. Well, it's all about just getting out there in the winter and meeting your friends. And it's brilliant crack, and the banter is amazing. You'd love it, Tom. You'd be right in the middle of it. I don't know. I could be struck for words. Oh, my God. You'd be there looking at us, and you'd be hearing stuff going left and right. Oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. I, I, love doing I, hear, it. I hear good things about it. Interesting enough, I, I was on leash uh, just a couple of weeks ago, just... Um, because it's actually the closest one to us here where we are in Carnamona. So we just went down for a day, a few of us. And I'll ask you a couple of things about it again later when we touch on things. But um, just interesting there on the competition side, and you say how things have improved. I mean, like, I suppose we have to mention as well that, like, currently um, the Ireland are the, the bank's champion on the home international front. That's correct. Yep, that's yep. correct. That's a yeah. lot of work done by the lads themselves on their manager. Um, that was a brilliant team going away. Um, if anyone was going to do it, they were going to do it. But at the moment, we are as good on the banks as any other country. Full stop. Yeah, yeah. 
full stop. Now, now, lock style, there's a difference. But on the banks, that's that's what I was going to say to you. That's why I want to get on to you later because it was a thing um, when we discussed the tactics later on because um, I'll nip into it now. Like, I took my stuff down, my, my, my gear down, and I left it up with the most of it in the car or there, you know, is at, um, at Jono's place. I didn't bring the box down with me. And basically, I just ended up walking back up and down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Five times for different tactics. Yeah, I, I think I spent more time walking that day back up. I had three rods made up and um, I just changed so many things and so many tactics. So It's mad what you actually get. It's so technical. You can get mm. so technical in still water bank fishing. It's amazing. It is. It will knock like a lockstone angler. He's not ready for it. Is there a certain, and Tom, you can tell me, is there a certain kind of snootiness towards kind of um, fisheries, you know, from kind of, you know, wild lock anglers, you know, kind of, that's just put and take, you know what I mean? That's, well, let me, yeah, well, well, I've always, sorry, before you just answer that, I've always said there's no such thing as snootiness in anything <laughs> regarding fly fishing. It's the most egalitarian <laughs> code. Yeah, but of course there is. You see, there'll be people who'll say, all right, what are you going after them for? They're all stockies. So anybody can catch them. So the only fishing you should be doing is out in the lake fishing for wild brownies. But we can't all do that. We can't be at it at the time. And I tell you what happens is, and I won't say myself included because I fish around it and I like it. But like I go down to a fishery and I fish them a couple of times and I get stumped after you catch, you catch your first couple of fish quick enough. Uh, and then suddenly they go dry. And then that's where I'm like the last day of leash running back up to the car. So, yeah. yeah, while there is a snootiness, I mean, it, it can kind of go when lads suddenly stop catching them. So like any good angler, like you, ha- you have to actually start thinking about, right, what are my tactics here? How do I need yeah. to approach it? And like you said, you might you might be onto them for a while, but like any other place. So so it's yeah. actually harder than what Tom is actually saying. When you're fishing the competition, you have seven pegs. You have 45 minutes, a peg. Just to, just to be sure that anybody's listening. So in the competition... You're on, let's say, peg one to start it, and you have 45 minutes on that. Now, will you fish all the, let's say, just for example, you said seven, so you'll get 45 minutes on the other six pegs as well. Yes, that's correct. And you have five minutes in between to get to your peg. Yeah, there's a five-minute changer. Okay, cool, yeah. yeah. So so you move three pegs. So it's worked out that you will never get, you'll do the whole lake, okay, Mm. and you'll never get back to where you started. And like leash has two legs, so you'll have equal time on the top and equal time on the bottom. Everybody will get the same. Now you start off in the peg in the morning, right? It's mayhem. You will catch fish with with anything you pull up. Four sport, you can only catch four fish now, right? And then you have to stop. So there'll be artificial this and whatever being lashed in, and four fish come out. Right, and there you're sitting there for an extra 20 minutes and waiting. You go to your next peg, and it's done. All the early feeding fish is done, and you've got to work out exactly where they are. Right, on the bung, it's, I will always go with the bung first on my second peg, and I'll fish tight in. Now, I mean, when I say tight, I mean two foot from the shoreline. Well, I will have six bung setups in my actual box, ready at different depths, ready to change. Couple of th- first thing I want to ask you: Does like in in international rules, 
a lock yes. style. You can use yes. a bung, but a bung has to be part of your, it has to be, have a hook in it. So the yes, rules say, yeah. yeah. Sure, that, we're going to mask that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not with me. You didn't. No, 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 no. On the, fi- on the final day. Oh, you did not, did you? Oh, yeah, I'm a size 16, a foot and a half under the bone. No, no, in I thought the, you meant the day with me. Cush like Bay with 25 minutes to go. Right, actually. I'm not, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, in that, so you can use them in, let's say, in the international, but they have to have a hook in them. Yes, so, for the, so for the banks. Do they, or can you use the sliding ones, let's say? The no, no, you have to use, right, so I've tied up hundreds of variations of these. I spent hours and hours trying to devise and write and, you know, sketching stuff out. The best bung on the market to tie onto your cast on the dropper is a Fario bung. Is that the foam one, the solid yeah, foam the, one? Yeah, yeah, it's like um, a cone. Yeah. Um, Michael Lowe developed them, I think, three years ago or four years ago. I'm not exactly sure, but they are the best. So he says, what makes them so good over the other ones? First of all, they're, they're in the cone shape, right? They have a wide gape on the hook. So if a fish takes it, you'll hook it. They're bright colors, and there's a range of bright colors. Plus, they float. I know it sounds silly, but a bull has <laughs> to float. But these work. And I've fished them for since they came out and they work. And use them in loads of different colours. But yeah, you have to have a proper indicator. So, you know, a bung is a bung is a bung. Now, I mean, you can get real delicate with them and put a clean camera on if the fish are really tight in. But we're talking about wintertime here now. Horrible conditions. That might lay there, you know, three, four from the bank for three minutes. And you have to keep it steady and you have to make sure it's in the right. And then, like you were saying, you couldn't, like you caught fish and then you couldn't catch anymore. Yeah, that would happen. I'd have to change a tactic. And then what would happen? Actually, interesting, that day now, it was the first day I'd fished a bank uh, fishery for quite a while. What happened? I would change tactics and let's say I would catch on the bong. Next thing I would throw out a snake. I'd catch one or two fish in the snake straight away. And then that would dry up. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'd switch to something else. I might switch to um, uh, a couple of bead heads. Yeah, and, and then you catch another thing. couple. Yeah, because and then it will go. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have to find the fish's happy place within your actual peg as well. You will see lots of fish going by you. They're not the fish that are going to take you. It's the fish either, you know, the fish that are actually cruising and looking for food. Um. You will find a spot, it could be 10 feet out, 15, 20, 40 feet out, on the bung, in a certain direction, where you will get bite, 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 bite. Well, it might take you half an hour to find that spot. Same with a lure. You, you could be going, as it says, snakes aren't allowed in competition, so we have to use minkies. Now, in the AWOL League, we're allowed to use snakes because it's not an international event, so it's not FIPS moosh. So we be using... Snakes, and as you said, you be using your snake, right? So you could have been on what an intermediate line. Uh, I was actually, yeah. Yeah, so which was one? On. What was it? Slow or mid or fast? Oh, I think I was on the. I think. Oh, I was on a forty plus. Uh, forty plus fast ass. Right. So there you go. Forty plus fast intermediate, yeah. Um, I would not use a forty plus intermediate. Okay. Why ever, not? Because. 
when you're bringing back your actual flies, you have to be right on top of them. So you have a floating part of that 40 plus, and then you yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the wind is catching all this malarkey. So you're not in contact properly. You've a you've a you've a swing. You've a bend in your. Yeah, front. yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. So bump gun, bump gun, yeah. and you're going ah, that fly's not working. It is, but you know, but it, sometimes on fisheries, if you cast too far, it's a hindrance more than a help mm. because they will touch it. Like literally, sometimes on stocked waters, you will get six bites for a day. In the winter, in the middle of winter, if you don't get them in, you like I mean, that's all you get: six bites, six bites to win, five bites a second lose. Second, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get there. So you have to be short leaders. I wouldn't use anything over twelve foot when pulling lures, right? Yeah. And I would go down to maybe six foot for snake fishing. Mm. So you're in contact the whole time, but you have to be on, like, I mean, you really have to be on the ball. So instead of what you did, I will have put um, a mid glass on and I will have fished the shores and worked my way out nice and easy. And you would have found an area there where you would have caught fish. Now you'll get fish and bangs and whatever. All you do is take that snake off and put a different color on. Yeah. yeah. The same fly, exactly the same fly. So it moves exactly the same way. This is what people don't get. You, you pull a black snake on with two big bead heads. And then you pull on a white snake with no bead heads. Sure, they're totally different. They move different. So if you're getting them on one, this is where practice comes in. Like we'll always go down and practice before competitions. Yeah. You might give it one day or maybe two days. It depends on time constraints. But you will find something that works, but you will tie them that that actual fly in about four different colors. Because you'll only cast it out three times, and then you change it. Yeah. And fish. Fish. Okay. No more fish. Different color. Fish. Fish. And that's what it's all about. The pattern is great on snakes and minkies and that, but you just change the color and then. You're back in the you get a you get once you change the color you get a response again yeah yeah but then like sometimes you get two fish real quick and they won't touch it after that they won't touch a moving fly they might have moved out you go in the bung you fish the edges drop offs whatever but did you fish the bung that day yeah what depth were you uh I varied it I because I used a sliding I use a sliding one yeah yeah so, so I use I use, I use it, Sliding one, so I was going from. I started, I think, at I two two flies below it, um, and I started at a foot to three foot, and just worked it down. Okay, right. So, um, that, that's fine. Like, I mean, I wouldn't use a sliding bung. I would have four droppers on my cast, so I could. The problem with sliding bung, it moves on your cast or whatever, and the amount of time that you have to fish a peg in the competition, this is our AWOL competitions now, it's not the Phipps Moosh, where yeah. you have to have uh, one on a dropper. You can't afford that to move six inches. Yeah. Right, but you also have all them droppers, so you just, you had them all at a, a foot. Say you have the, you start off at four foot, then you go to five, six, seven. But you have all that there ready. All you do is whip off the bone and pull a new one on. Now, the other thing is, a single fly is always better. 
But saying that, you won't get on your line bites using one fly. Explain so, that now. Right. So when you throw out your bung and you have two flies on, now you know the fish are probably in around two and a half feet. So you have one set of two and a half. Yeah. And another one set of six feet. Right. So you chuck it out and your indicator dibbles, like just pops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's a line bite. That's a fish hitting your line. Yeah. Right. So if you take, if you take off that top fly, pull it on the bottom and replace it with the bung and chuck it out, none of that happens. You don't know if there's fish there. Even though you're at the right depth, you have no confidence that there's anything actually there. So in a practice day, I would fish over depth and find where the fish like to be. Which is, it's back to, like I do a lot of carp fishing and coarse fishing and all that. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all interlinked. Believe it or not, every... Every bit of fishing you ever do is interlinked with whatever mm. you like. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's how we find fish. Like, I mean, if you went out with just a fly at a foot and a half, you could be in the right spot. But the fish mightn't actually be exactly where you want it at that time, right? Yeah. So your next cast, he could take it. But because you're not getting any indications, you will move that away from where you are. Do you get me? Yeah, yeah. Whereas... If you worked, like, I mean, if you were, you're getting fish at a foot and a half, right? On, where are you, on the bottom lake or the top lake? The left hand is, you're looking down from John's place, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, mm. so that is the bung. We, we, it's full of fish. Um, mm. At the moment, you fish a foot and a half there all day, you catch. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what you've underneath. A green egg, a white egg, a squirmy. Like, you're asking me about what flies would you use? Like you said, worms. Yeah. Said, yeah, but which worms are you talking about? Is it, you know, the glister worms? Is it? Oh, that, that, that's what I'm asking you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, no, it's yeah. like jungle, you know, like uh, Kevin Portish brought out jungle worms about yeah. seven years ago. It was amazing. It took every fishery apart. Yeah. These are just, you, you've seen jungle worms, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you've not, have you seen them, Darren? They're like little bits of springy cloth by mm. like little bits of Chanel that, you know, when they wet, they, they sort of relax, but they're, they're amazing things. Um, he did them all different colors. Then he had baby bush coming out. Then we had ecstasy coming out, but he was probably the first one for all the rainbow materials properly. Do you know what I mean? Um, at the moment down there, it's really, it's really worms, white worms, which would be squirming worms. Yeah. And then after that, it would be probably an egg in three or four different colorations. And then, of course, pellet flies. Fascinating listening to you, Dennis. It's like, this is like a masterclass. It's, it's like in terms of yeah. how to do it. Um, can I ask you then, for if a beginner that's listening to this, um, a couple of tips for somebody going to a fishery maybe for the first time? Um, what I would do is, um, if they're going, make sure they have three lines with them. Um, if they're a complete beginner, I would just go with a floating line. Because you can fish lures, you can fish buzzers, you can fish dries, you can fish the bone, right? doesn't make any difference. So, if a floating line, you need seven weight rods. I lose my reason when I see people come to fisheries with five weight rods. 
They play the fish for two hours and then they net them. They mm. put this 10 pound fish back and the following day, you know, the fishery owner has to go, go around, scoop them up and chuck them in the ditch. So seven weight rods. Um, every fishery, I think, nearly has a line diameter or a poundage that you can't go below. So six, eight pounds will be good enough. I would go six pounds. I fish four pounds under the bone when I'm allowed. Or the diameter of four pounds. Four pounds. Yeah. That's only where I'm allowed. So I could be using like 10 and a half pounds um, strapped. Um, but really, the full and mill stuff is quite good in probably the three or the four X. Um, that's stuff that you uh, kindly gave us at the international, Tom. The masterclass. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, since, since I, masterclass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since I am, um, uh, I've caught some fairly big fish on shielding. It's really given me confidence in using it. So I would use that stuff. So going back to it, um, so float nine, a bung, a fario bung. You can get them. You can order them. Um, and I would get probably half a dozen flies from under the bung, and I would get two or three snakes and probably two buzzers, and that would be you for the whole day. Now, I, I get people ringing me the whole time and going, what do I need? And I go, what do you have? Do you know what I mean? Because, I have everything. Yeah, yeah, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because the problem is that you can go to a fishery this week, and now you see the weather change. Yeah. Them fish have gone from a foot and a half, and they will be a foot off the bottom in one week. And everything that you practiced on and found out about in the last month is gone, like completely gone. Most of the fisheries are six, seven, eight foot depth, average. And then there's holes in it down to 15 feet. Now, believe it or not, the trout don't like to be in the deep holes. They'd rather be on the slopes or in the shallow water whenever they can. They do not like it. Don't ask me why. You go down to their springs and you will fish the middle of that lake, scrape the bottom, and you'll come home with the same amount of fish that you had when you arrived. If you fish the slopes and the little crevices and crannies, the weedy parts, you'll get more fish. So, like, initially, you could fish a bung and change your flies all day and come home with six, seven, eight fish, which is great for a beginner. Do you know what I mean? And how far out are you looking to cast? Like, you're looking for those drop-offs. Is that what you're saying? Um, so, like, when you approach the lake, are you looking to go to yeah. those spots, is it? Yeah, so when I approach a lake, I will... Well, when I want to start fishing, I will never walk up the bank. I will stop 10, 15 feet from the back bank and watch. And you'll see fish. If you're, you're, you're calm and steady, like even before a match, I will not put my box beside the lake. Everyone else is there ready to go. I'm, I could be 20 feet from the bank. The fish are very close in. And the, more, and the wiser they are, the closer they are. Because they're watching anglers. <laughs> they, they literally go by, they'll watch it, and they swim off. You, you're standing there doing nothing. They swim by and then dart. It's amazing watching them. 
but you'll get most of your fish 10, 15 feet out. So is that one of the biggest mistakes you see, Dennis, with beginners is that they're trying to cast too far out. They're trying to hit the, the middle of the yeah, lake. Tom will tell you this, like they overextend. You really don't need to cast very far on, on stop war. It's very interesting, just what you said there. Now, one thing I have done a lot of is I've done a lot of shore fishing here on the wild brownies back in Connemara and all over. And it's interesting what you say there. When I would reach a place or move up to a part of the lake, I'd stand 20 feet behind what you said, just like what you said, Dennis. I would look, but also if I was going to go on to a little stone just ahead of me, I would cast from 20 feet behind to cover every part beside the stone. Yeah, always. Always. Always and ever I do that. And more often yeah. than not, I would get a fish. If I'd have walked directly onto that stone, yeah. I wouldn't have caught the fish because I'd have spooked him. Yeah. And and yeah. literally be ready. Mm. Your first cast on the fishery, you nine yeah. out of ten, you will have a fish. End of storage. That's the way it is. You will have one. If you're not ready, that could be one of six fish that the hook could have. Like at the start of a competition, I could be on my hands and knees. I literally on my belly sometimes mm. sticking yeah, yeah. A fish. I know it sounds stupid, but if they see me, they're gone. Mm. And I will let anglers, like most anglers, will run up to the edge and start fishing, throwing up big lures. And I stay 10 feet back and flick a bone in between. And what happens is all the fish that they're spooking and lining come into my peg. And I just give them five minutes, let them spook them all in, and then I'll just flick out. There you go. When you're fishing lures, it's really slow during the winter, um, except if you get a hot, windy day, like a mild, windy day, say 10 degrees. Now, I'm talking about January, not now. So in January, after a long spell of coldness, you get a mild day. Short, nice six, seven-inch um, jerks, and consistent all the way back. The roly-poly works as well, but... I like to fish all my lures slow. You will hoop so many more. Like every fish you hoop when you're fishing slow, you'll have. It's like the lads fishing Melbourne, pulling the arms out themselves, rising 25 fish, and you're pulling a tenth of what they are, and you're catching every one. You don't need to pull hard. on. You, you just pull nice and slowly, and you get them. But my favorite fishing is buzzer fishing or dial-back fishing on them fisheries. We don't get it here, except, you know, you get it in your buzzer time, Tom. You get it on lean some of the time. But if you want to really practice your washing line and stuff like that, that's what I love to do on these fisheries, and nobody does it. You flick it out maybe 20 yards, give it a pull. I use an F&F uh, buzzer tip, lock-up, and the beauty about that is when you're casting into the wind, you know the way a floating line on a midge table will be pulled left or right? Yeah. It just sinks into it. And your floating line, does the floating part does not come back to it. It actually hangs there because it's a heavy tip. Now, it's only a short tip. It's a heavy tip. So it anchors the actual line. So the flies aren't actually moving. If you get me, you know the way when you yeah. try a floating line with a midge tip? It's yeah. pushing it up back to you. Yeah. This doesn't move. Interesting. I've never used that line. And does it does the heavier tip not draw down the floating section though? It does. Well yeah. it's floating it down. But it doesn't actual it actually just locks up like an anchor. Right. Like it, yeah, it yeah. Just, it just sits there. Whereas 
like I'd have two or three rods and I actually pull out normal midge tip and it was over here within two minutes where the other one was like that. That's really interesting, actually. Really interesting, yeah. Because that is, I know that, that's a drawback and I know that anytime you get drift like that, it, it can mess. And if you get drift like that and it puts a belly in, yeah. sayonara. You know? Yeah, but the thing, the other thing about that is we also fish the very same way with, you know, sinking lines. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? We, we fish the very same way fishing lures as I'm trying to describe that yet. Whereas we only impart movement into it. Do you know what I mean? And it's very hard to do that. You have to cast a certain way. You have to hit the wind straight on at 90 degrees. You can't be casting this way. See it as you just cast everywhere. Like I'd be moving within the three foot of my peg and without trying to get the actual cast I want. And if you get it right, it normally just zips away. Mm. But the fisheries are a huge help to me during the winter to keep my skills up rainbow-wise. Yeah. It, it really yeah. is. And without them, I, I don't think I'd be, be good at them at all. Like. Yeah, you do keep me up. But Camille, just before we go back on to anything else, just that you said it, because you had said there'd be three lines. Now, we went through a floater yeah. and got through the well, beginning. So, so we have a so floater. So what would be the other two along with the floater? Just you'll have, a, you you'll, have a, you'll have a mid-intermediate. Yeah, right. mid glass. Yeah, yeah, mid glass, and then you'll have a die three. Uh, a straight through die three, a sweep die three, or a forty plus die three. Right. So forty. Because I said I asked them the reason yeah, forty yeah, plus yeah, is because yeah. the running line on a die three and a forty plus does sink. Uh, uh, yeah, but only just. It's an intermediate. Yeah. Yeah. The running so line I, is. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I would fish the die three pulling lures forty plus. Okay. Yeah. If I was fishing anything else, bar, like I'd be fishing boobies. So anything that's yeah. not a floating, like a fab or something like that. Yeah. I would fish a 40 plus, right? Mm. But I wouldn't fish a 40 plus if I was on boobies or fabs. Okay. And, so I want to use the straight my... or a sweep. Oh, I would never use the sweep. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. 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 That, that's for. Pulling through big shows of rainbows in the UK, like it's not for what we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's too much of a belly in it. Yeah. What, yeah. No, we, right, what we yeah. want to do is to have the line sitting on the bottom. Direct. And then retrieve them small, slowly. Mm, like yeah. in a die tree, we'll reach any bottom given time. So that'll be your sinking line and such. So, yeah, like I, like I have 47 lines in my box. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I need them all. And people say, how would you, like, I might use one for three years, but then, you know, you get it. But, um, yeah, so your, your mid-intermediate, I would have, your mid-glass, I would have a 40-plus on that most of the time, but it depends on the wind. So if it's windy, I don't want the belly to, to happen. Yeah. If it's not windy, that's fine. If it's windy, I will go straight, always. Mm. But like your 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 flies are simple. Like I mean, if you talk to any of the guys that are regular on any of these waters, they will tell you. Yeah. You've worn a few bags for the bone, right? Buzzers, apses, minkies, and it's just about you going down and practicing and getting the color you like. Mm. And just there on the rod, you said a seven weight, uh, nine foot, nine and a half, ten foot. Does ten foot. just perfect. Ten foot. ten foot, ten foot, three rods. Three reels. Yeah. Um, Why 10 foot? Distance, you know. power. 
power, power and distance. And yeah, power and distance. But like, I mean, I will take fish from on the bone, 10 pound fish, and put them in the net in 20 seconds from mm. underneath the rod tip. Whereas guys will have a five, six weight and they will play them for the whole of the 40 minutes. Like, I mean, like, it, it's just amazing. Like, a two pound fish, you hook him, you skate, and he's in. If you don't have the power in your rod, like, like, I don't understand it. You're a competition angler. Or if you're a pleasure angler, it's not fair in the fish. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that fish is there. He's pulling for your pleasure. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but respect the fish that you catch. You know, have the right gear. Debarb all your flies. Buy barbless hooks. But having a fly weight. Like, lads will say, well, competition fishing, we, we're using 0.12. Okay, but you will catch on point one four, yeah. So why don't you use point one four? Like I sometimes you just don't get it. Um, if you taper a cast, you will get many more fish if you taper it than having a straight one because you get tangles and knots and whatever. If you taper it and you want to last five feet on a certain diameter, that's fair enough. But you can still pile on the pressure because it's tapered all the way down. You're not going to break in the five-pound fish. Yeah. Three-pound line. Do you know what I mean? Dennis, I want to ask you, um, before we wrap up, um, you've mentioned the UK steel water is seen, obviously, as the kind of the precursor um, to kind of what went, what developed in Ireland. Have you fished the UK waters much? I, I fished them a lot. I used to fish with a team called Brosnan. We fished the House of Hardy, the Flex Tech. Um, we fished all of them competitions. There was myself, Ian Kelly, Andy Duncan, Mick McCormick, and we normally had two other guys sitting in as well. Um, every now and again, so I fished all of them, yeah. And then, lucky enough, I I qualified a few times for Ireland. Um, and I fished all of them wars. What was your favourite? My favourite. I don't really have a favourite. It's. <laughs> They're all, see, they're all so different. Brennig, Grafham, Rutland, they're all different. Like, there's different fish in them. There's different quality of fish, different ways of catching them. It, 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 it there's no one, like, my favorite war is Loch Lean in, in, in Collinstown. And I spend a lot of time on that. But my second favorite is Con. Because I love con, lock con in the west. I would if I never had to fish for a rainbow again, and you took all the rainbows out of Loch Lean, I'd be happy enough to fish them to the lakes. Honestly, honestly, like I mean, I love my rainbow fishing. Like I am a stocky basher. I've always been a stocky basher, and I and I don't care what anyone thinks about it. But I love catching fish, and I love being able to develop techniques and catching. Where when I, when rainbow fishing started in this country, nobody knew what they were doing. Um, you had to think on your feet. There was no magazines. There was no internet as such. There was just nothing out there. Like using a bone. Like I was looking at the lads over in New Zealand going, that'll work for rainbows. And going down to Animo and tying up little buzzers and sticking them. Like the minus tree, you know fishing buzzers and then fly away and go oh my god I love fishing away um, I'm going to Mentite next year again um, 
But yeah, Mentite's okay. I I would probably say Brennick. If you if you had to ask me and go which one, I go Brennick because it's top the water stuff, and I love. Mm-hmm. They're easier than our fish here, dry fly fishing. They'll come up and swallow it. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you, Dennis. Um, it's been huge learnings from it, listening to you in terms of the the kind of tactics, thinking, technique behind it. Um, and hopefully that'll put to bed anybody who kind of this is a, a rape. I know. Like, I mean, it, it's it's a joy. It's a joy, actually. Like, like from all the pressures that we have in the fishing world, like, I mean, Lock Melbourne this year was a huge pressure. Like, we were lucky enough we got gold, and I was lucky to get another little trophy. And to get to the winter time and relax and go fishing these fisheries that are there for you to enjoy, and they're ready and waiting for you. Mm. Like, I mean, what more could you ask for? Like, the fish, fish on top, like. Yep. Make the most of it. There's no excuse. Oh, bloody sure, yeah. Very true, yeah. Well, our final question to you, Dennis. We ask it of everyone. Yeah. What was yeah. your most memorable fish caught in the fly? Right. So I have a memorable fish, but the most memorable experience, I'll get to that one afterwards if that's okay, because that's more important <laughs> to me. It was between an incident on Loch Khan and one on Loch Gull. So we go for the one on Loch Khan. Right, so it was after the weekend, and I fished at Bismarck. And I, 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 I normally would spend three weeks down there. Well, when I was unattached, no kids, free and happy. <laughs> I hope you doesn't know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was out with Johnny and Jimmy. Where McMahon, you know, you you wouldn't know them, Tom. Um, hmm. Johnny's passed away now, and I was coming up to a set of pins, a flat cam. I'm just rolling around. I had to get the stakes that day, so I was out late, right? So there was an odd mayfly. And in the distance between three pins, I could see these boils. So it rolled over nice and handy. You could see the tails of salmon coming up, left and right. But there was this trout that kept coming up. The buller ball, she was golden, bright sunshine, 20 odd degrees, and these fish taking mayfly. And I just flicked it at her, and she just came up and sucked it down into her. And she was a, an, ounce on the, an ounce on the five pound. It wasn't the weight of the fish, it was like I, I, I didn't cast for anything else. I waited, I'd say, 10 minutes for me to get the right cast. Like, but anyone else in the boat, they would have been. You know, casting left, right, and centre. But that was my fish. I waited for a collar and nothing up. Question: What fly was it? A dry? Was it a dry? A size fourteen wolf. No. On four pound line. Nice. <laughs> yeah, single fly. Degreased. Yep. I must have degreased that cast fifteen times while I waited for. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had the line all set up. The, the you know the I had the net. Everything was perfect. And she just came up and just took it. But there was salmon going around me and the whole lot. It was, it was a bumper day um, after that, enough of that cam on top. Anywhere I went that day, there was fish up. Perfection. <laughs> yeah. So the other, the other one was I won the interprovincial in Lachlan. And it was about 10 minutes left. When I looked over, we were close to the harbour. And my dad was there waiting on me. 
just what he came down just to see. So I got out of the boat and he came out and he says, well, I handed him, it was all catcher and lease, I handed him the sheet, ten fish on. He goes, you better win it now. That was it. Well, it was just him being there. The first time I won the Interpro, I was just chuffed. Just chuffed. Just chuffed. It's something you'll always remember, you know? It's the experience. It's the people. That's what yeah. I have. Isn't it? That's like- what it's about. Like, I mean, everyone goes, like, I mean, competition fishing is this, that, and the other. My best mates are my competition rivals. Do you know what I mean? We all do the same thing. We're all in the same mindset. It's just, just a nice place to be. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dennis, as you said, make the most of it for people. You know. The, the oh way. yeah, get out there, cast the line. Exactly. There's no excuses, and you've you've got the insights and the tips now. So, Dennis Goulding, thanks a million for joining us. No problem. Thank you, Dara. Thank you, Tom. Our thanks to Dennis Goulding for joining us on the show, and don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on irelandonthefly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mahan. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.